Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f What the f gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. Welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Well, it's going to be a quick introduction and really a pretty short podcast this week. I've told the story in the past of being at an anchorage in Turkey, and the man in the Swiss boat next to me jumped up and got his boat ready, and about 10 minutes later, uh, a strong wind hit. And I relate that experience again in one of my questions with the guest of this interview, Jackson Meyer. I was thinking of combining this interview with another interview or another podcast, but I thought this would just stand alone on its own. I, I think it's a good app that you should have on your phone, and he's working to upgrade it as time goes on, and he's responding to suggestions. So, so I think it's something you should look at. It's relatively cheap, something you can have on your phone, and it's an interesting app to play with on your phone. So what we're talking about here is a barometer app a charting barometer app for your iPhone, and I don't think it works on Android devices right now, but I could be wrong. So, so let me do my quick advertisement, and then we'll get on to the interview. If you wish to learn how to sail, I cannot teach you how to sail, but if you want to take the first steps in becoming a sailor, the first thing you need to do is understand sailing terminology. I teach this in one of my audiobooks, which is the ASA 101 exam audiobook, which is Sailing, Learn to Sail, Basic Keelboat Certification, Lessons for the ASA 101 exam. This is a audio course designed to help you prepare for the written portion of the Basic Keelboat Certification, the ASA 101 exam. I cannot teach you how to sail, but this will prepare you for the written portion of that examination. But more importantly, it's going to teach you the terminology of sailing, some of the basic maneuvers in sailing, and some of the safety requirements on a boat, and some of the rules of the road. The other lessons go into much more detail, and they're designed for various exams. The ASA 103 exam, which is the basic coastal cruising examination. I have an audio course for that. It's called Sailing Learn to Sail Basic Coastal Cruising lessons for the ASA 103 exam. And finally, if you want to actually be able to go out and charter a boat, again, I can't teach you how to sail, but I can help you prepare for the written portion of the exam. I have an audio book called Sailing Learn to Sail Bareboat Cruising Certification Lessons for the ASA 104 exam. Now that one's about eight hours and 10 minutes in length. The basic coastal cruising audio course is over nine hours in length. And the basic keelboat certification is about seven hours in length. So there's a lot of material. Anyway, if you're interested in those, please go to the website. If you click on the links, you can buy them either through Gumroad or through the iTunes directory. Also, they're available in CD Baby and on Amazon. So I wanted to thank Mountain Sail, MTN Sail, who wrote a review in iTunes he said, this is one of the very best sailing podcasts around Greece, the Med, Turkey, and much, much more. 
Fill the airways of Franz's information-packed discussion and interviews. Try it. Hey, thanks. Keeps me going. It's my most recent review. It was written on September 27th. If you enjoy this podcast, would you do me a favor and go into the iTunes store and find the podcast and, and just write a quick review? I appreciate it. I know I read those reviews when I'm thinking of listening to a podcast and subscribing to a podcast, and it makes a difference to me, so I assume it does other people as well. All right, let's get on to the interview. So I'm talking to Jackson Myers, and I came across Jackson Myers when I was looking in the iTunes store for a, a, burial, a burial graph, uh, and what I was looking for didn't exist, but his his app was pretty close. And so I reached out to him, I sent him an email, and I asked um, Jackson if he could do what I was looking for. And we can go into a little more detail about that in a minute. And he did, and it's done. And now we're going to talk about it. So Jackson, tell me where you're, where you're talking to me from and tell me a little bit about yourself. So I'm talking to you from Houston, Texas. Um, I, I grew up in Canada, actually, and I did a um, undergraduate degree in physics, and then I came down here for my uh, graduate degree at Rice University. And uh, I've always been a Mac um, computer guy. I've always, um, you know, dabbled in software development. And uh, when I was in when I was in college, I made a dashboard widget, and that kind of started me um, on the road to Mac software development. And um, when I was in grad school, I decided uh, that it might make sense to make a uh, to make an iOS, an iPhone version of my dashboard widget. And so I made a webcam viewer where I could check out the surf conditions at the uh, nearby beach. And then from then on, you know, every, every year a new iPhone would come out and it would have a new feature. It would have some new developer APIs, some new abilities for uh, me to tap into a new sensor or, or explore something new about the phone. And so I created a, an app called Step Tracker, which was one of the first... Um, sort of Fitbit-style fitness tracking apps that didn't need to use the GPS to track you, uh, and so it wouldn't use a lot of battery life. And then after that, uh, the next iPhone that came out, um, the iPhone 6 had a, a um, barometer in it, basically. In the, in the fitness chip, uh, they, Apple wanted to, the ability to track your stairs uh, that you climbed during the day, and so they put a, put a barometer on it to measure your, your altitude. And they gave developers access to that barometer, and I always, um, I'm kind of a little bit of a weather nerd, and I have a, I have a barometer on my desk here, and I thought, well, it'd be cool to see what your iPhone could do, and so I started looking at the data from the barometer, and uh, I noticed there were no apps on the App Store that allowed you to graph the barometric pressure data, so I, so I made a little app called Barograph, and then I've been expanding it ever since and adding features as people request them. So let me tell you the story, and I've related this to my listeners in the past, of, of what made me contact you. I was on my boat in a little harbor in Turkey, and I was actually out walking along the shore one day, and, and there was my, my boat, and my wife was on my boat, and there was one other boat in the, in the, in the anchorage, and I think it was a Swiss or German boat. I, I'm not sure. I th- actually, I think it was a Swiss boat. And uh, as I was out walking around, a big wind came up. And, you know, I got back to the boat, and our, my boat was well anchored. It was doing fine. But it's always whenever you're anchored, you're worried about dragging anchor if a big wind comes up. And this is a fairly strong, intense wind for a short period of time. 
So I got back to the boat, and my wife said it was really interesting because I was sitting up here in the cockpit reading a book, but I'd look over at the uh, the Swiss boat, and be about 10 minutes before this big wind came up, he jumped up on board and went around his boat and tied down everything and made sure everything was uh, ship-shape, uh, like he knew this was coming. And I said, well, that's interesting. So you know, later on that evening, we got in the dinghy, and we rode over to him, and we started talking to him, and, and my... You know, my wife related her her uh, recollection of what he'd done. And he said, yeah, that's correct. He said, I have this little barograph, and it's actually a printing barograph, and he showed it to me. And whenever there's a barometric change over a short period of time, over a specific short period of time, a certain barometric pressure change, that's usually an indication of a quick weather change, and, and uh, it, it gives me an alert in enough time that I'm able to uh, to prepare for it. And he showed it to me, and I thought, well, that's really cool. And it's a Swiss-made device, and there's, they put a roll of paper in it, and it lasts for about a year. And a couple AA batteries, and just rolls around and records it. But it does set off this alarm. So when I saw your app in the App Store, I thought, well, that, that's pretty cool. But I wonder if – and I was looking for something specific like specifically like this in the App Store – and I couldn't find it. And that's when I reached out to you, and you said, yeah, I think I could probably build that into it. So tell us what, tell us what you've done and how, how you've worked that into it then. Yeah, so it's actually it's really cool that you can use your iPhone to, to do the same thing as a most likely thousand, multi-thousand dollar piece of equipment, although those old mechanical barographs are really, really neat. Um, yeah, it's, your iPhone has the capability to do exactly the same thing and maybe a little more because you can customize alarms, you can have your phone um, make a sound or show a pop-up notification um, when a certain pressure event that you're, you're looking for occurs. Um, so basically when I created my app, it was just the, the first version was just simply a graph of the barometric pressure. You couldn't do anything with it. You could just look at it. And um, it was sort of a demonstration of what, um, what you can do with the with the chip on the new iPhone. And um, ever since then, people have been uh, contacting me with, with various feature requests. I added uh, multiple units. I added some you know, units that people in Europe, there, there's a, a guy in Japan who uses my app um, pretty frequently, and he, uh, he wanted to use a, a specific um, unit of pressure. And so I, uh, I added that feature for him, and then sort of uh, as I go along, I add new features. And so um, it's kind of one of the bigger updates I've done recently. It's the the pressure alarms. And right now, it's it's a it's a very basic pressure alarm. Basically, the user can specify a um, a pressure level that they want to watch for, and so you'd have to set it up, and you'd have to look at what the current pressure is, and you can you can enter a value, and when it hits that value, it will um, it will notify you with a with a pop-up notification on the screen, or if your phone is locked, there will be a, uh, a push notification to show you that uh, the pressure, that you've hit the target pressure. Now, in, in the future, I might try to add a, uh, a new feature that would alarm based on the rate of change of pressure, which might be more useful for sailors. You may be able to just say if any pressure drop of a certain amount occurs over a period of time, then, uh, then send an alarm. I, I know that depending on your your latitude, the pressure threshold before a significant wind event occurs or the rate of change of pressure um, is different. So 
I, I've been doing a little bit of research online, but I'm not quite ready to roll that feature out yet. So I'm, I, I just gave you a dollar ninety nine for this. I think I had the free one before, so I just saved yeah. a dollar ninety nine. That's very nice of you. Yeah, and so the the app is basically free, but if you if you want to disable the ads, there's some iAds in it. There's Apple's ads are kind of, I think, among the better um, ads that you'll see in apps. But anyways, if you want to disable the ads, you can pay two dollars and and they'll disappear forever. Okay, and that's what I did. I just disabled it. So I'm going to ask you if you've got any YouTube videos out on how to use your app, or if you've done any. Um, th- this is all my pet peeve on most apps is, is mm-hmm. they're out there, but sometimes they're not as intuitive to understand as I'd like right. them to be. Yeah, I need to work on the documentation. I'd like to make a web page or maybe some documentation inside the app that describes how everything works. There's not a YouTube video at this point, but. On the App Store, Apple added a feature in iOS 8 that let developers upload a video instead of a picture as their sort of cover image for the app. So I have a little cover image with an overview, a brief overview. And I haven't updated that for the pressure alarms yet, but I should do that. Although they limit you to about, I think it's about 30 seconds, so it's hard to get everything in. So I'm looking at my app right now. It's open in front of me. How do I go about setting um, setting these alarms then? Okay, on the the menu at the bottom of your screen, there's a plus button, and plus, you use okay. that to add an alarm or add a marker. Ah, there we go. Okay, yep. create alarm. So if you alarm. click add marker, it'll just draw a line where the current pressure is. It'll draw a red line. And it, I kind of think of it like if you have an old analog barometer, there's usually a little arrow you can line up with. Right, the little, the, uh, the little uh, the, yeah, that you line up with the current current barometric pressure. Right. Right. So then it's easy to see after a period of time how much it's changed and in what direction. So you can do that with the app. You can create that marker. It'll stay there. Um, if you close the app and reopen it, it'll be in the same place. So you could set it. You can go to bed, wake up in the morning, um, and look at the app, and it'll, you'll be able to see really quickly how far the pressure has changed. Okay. And then if and, I say create an alarm, it'll come in and say, ah, okay, enter a target pressure that would you would like to receive an alarm for, and you can put whatever pressure you want in there then. Okay. Yeah. And so when you add that alarm, it will draw another line showing you where the alarm is. So you'll see where the marker is if you created a marker, and then you'll see the alarm. And then when the pressure hits that point on the graph, you'll get the notification. So we can't set an alarm. So we can't set two alarms yet then, can we? We can't, no. Okay. So that... that's uh, that's coming in the future. Okay. All right. Well, good. So so you're, you have plenty of projects to work on then for, mm-hmm. for this end right now. Did yeah, you... one of the one of the recent updates before the pressure alarm was background app updates. That was the other big update I did, and so one of the things about um, about iOS eight and iOS nine is usually Apple controls what apps can do in the background, so they're not draining battery on an iPhone. But um, there's some limited ways that developers can request background time, and so this feature called background app refresh allows the operating system to specify when an app is allowed to refresh. Um, it's not, it's not um, incredibly periodic. It'll happen sometimes every 30 minutes, sometimes every hour. Basically, the operating system tries to guess when you're more likely to use that particular app. And, if, for example, if the phone's locked in your pocket, it might not update much. But when you take it out of your pocket and you press the power button to see you know, the, the clock, then it might update and show you a notification. So generally at night, Veragraph, for me, updates every hour or so. And so in the morning, I have a nice pressure trend. And so that, um, that feature is integrated with the alarm, and you'll see a, a push notification um, when the alarm occurs, even if your app's not currently running. And actually, the app doesn't need to be open in the background. You can reboot your phone, and it'll still 
periodically check the, the data once your phone's back on. So that's kind of a cool thing about the feature. Even if your app's um, closed, even if you haven't been using it, it'll still notify you. Although it may be you know, not as, as rapid as a sailor would like. If you, if you want to have it in a boat, you might want to have it turned on um, on your instrument panel and, and just leave it like that. And this works both in the iPhone and the, uh, the iPads then? It does work in the newer iPads. I believe it's the iPad Air 2. And I don't currently have one of those, but one of the users of my app, um, who's actually a sailor, uh, had it set up on his, in his uh, boat. And so he, he said he was using the iPad Air 2 or the iPad Air Mini 2. Sorry, the iPad Mini 2, one or the other. I notice when I, I have a summer home and it's at 7,200 feet and I live around 4,000 feet. And I noticed when I had the bare, bare, barometric pressure set up, uh, it, it really, <laughs> you can imagine what, what a huge change in barometric pressure changes when I come back down to the city or go back up to the, to the oh, summer yeah. home. Yeah, and the app will actually give you your relative altitude. So, so what that means is when you open the app, it'll consider that altitude zero and then any changes you make it will um it will display so if you're driving up into the mountains you can you can open it up and you can see your current elevation or oh from where you started out at then from where you started the app yep Mm -hmm. one one way you're measuring barometric pressure and not going up and down and the other one that's saying okay uh, the barometric pressure would be equivalent to let's say three feet or five feet or ten feet. That's sort of, right. that sort of change. Yeah. So, you're... so your phone is stationary, and you you open up the app, and the pressure changes due to the weather. It will give you a, a relative altitude that that would be equivalent to, but that doesn't you know mean anything. Unfortunately, the pressure changes because of altitude and because of weather. So those two things can get a little mixed up. Mm-hmm. But if you are significantly changing altitude. If you were driving up into the mountains, that pressure change because of the altitude will be so much greater than the weather that you won't, you know, the weather will be maybe adding a couple feet to your thousands of feet of elevation. So it can be used as a fairly accurate altimeter. Yeah, it it does appear to be that way. When I've gone on hikes, I've been able to say, oh, okay, I just climbed 1,500 vertical feet. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems to be fairly accurate for that. So. I really appreciate you taking the time and taking my suggestions and, and building this this uh, feature into your into your app. Oh, you're welcome. That's what that's what makes it fun. Is hearing back from people and and getting feedback and trying to trying to make something that's useful. Do you do you have a website or anything that people can go to 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 learn more about you or your apps, or is it just pretty much in the in the iTunes store? I do have a website. It's uh, www.jackson-myers.com. Okay, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Any, any uh, other apps that are upcoming that you want to tell us about and uh, we'll keep our eye out for? Um, I, I don't have any ideas right now, but uh, you know, I've, I've kind of dabbled in, um, I guess I, I have a fitness tracker for tracking your steps and stair, uh, flights of stairs that you've climbed in a day. Um, like a passive one that runs in the background. I thought about doing something similar for cycling. So the the fitness chip on the iPhone has a has the ability to tell you how how many minutes per day it thinks you've been cycling and what distance you've traveled, uh, similar to the step counts. And that's a relatively new feature. And I've I've started sort of dabbling into that, but it doesn't seem like the feature is there yet. Apple's not. Um, None of their apps support it by default. It's kind of just like an obscure um, developer API. So I may, I may look into that and see if I can make that work. I think it would be really useful because when you go on a long bike ride and you're using your GPS, it's draining a lot of power. 
So if you could use this passive uh, technique using the fitness chip, the sort of Fitbit style technology inside the phone, it would be it would be possible to track a bike ride without um, using too much battery life. Oh, that sounds great. So, yep. so the the if you're going upstairs, it's tracking the number of steps you take up a stairs, or is it just tracking the number of steps you take on flatland as well. It's um, it basically measures uh, flights of stairs, so it'll oh. say how many floors you climbed in a day, how many floors you climbed up and down. So, how would that and, how would that work if I'm out hiking in the mountains? Does it give you that same sort of information? It will. It should give you an equivalent um, stair count. Yeah. I, I was uh, in Montreal over the summer, and I, I climbed Mount Royal in the center of the city, which is just a little mountain, but I don't know how many, maybe a few hundred feet. But um, it definitely counted a lot of uh, flights of stairs, even though there, I wasn't necessarily on stairs all day. Jackson, you had a couple other items you wanted to talk about that we forgot to mention earlier on. So why don't we review those again? So one of the most requested features, um, besides the pressure alarms, has been uh, adjusted sea level pressure. So um, a lot of people have wondered why the pressure that they see in my app doesn't match up exactly with the pressure from a local weather station or weather report. And the reason is because the National Weather Service corrects all pressure values down to sea level. And that's because uh, elevation, as we talked about before, affects pressure and um, if you want to compare the weather in uh, in your location or w- with a different city that may be at a different altitude, uh, they put everything on a level playing field by adjusting it all to, c- to sea level. And in order to do that uh, correction, you need the, uh, the you need the pressure of the air where the weather uh, sorry you need the temperature of the air where the weather station is located, and you need the altitude. And so. It's a little tricky to do in the app because you need to use the data connection to go out and fetch weather data, and you need to decide what your source of data is. But it's possible, and uh, it'll probably be coming up down the road. Okay, but so your your issue is you might have to have it go out and gather specific data from different sites depending on where maybe the phone would be located at that time then, I guess. Right, yeah. So you'd probably need to use the GPS to find your location and either get a GPS altitude or... Um, find a weather station nearby and use that weather station's altitude as well as that weather station's um, temperature. And that might be the way to do it because then the values would match up with your local weather station better, and that seems to be what a lot of people want to see. I see. Okay. Well, great. Thank you very much. Anything else we ought to cover before we we call it an interview? Uh, I think that's it. All right. Thanks, Jackson. You're welcome. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jackson. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate the features you've added to your your barometric pressure gauge. I'm going to put links to your website and links to well, whatever I can find to in, in the show notes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome, and and thanks for having me on your show. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you have a chance, go on to the iTunes Store and write a review for the podcast, I would appreciate it. You can find more information, including show notes and links to the barometer at 
www.medsailor.com, www.medsailor.com, as well as my audiobooks that are available for purchase. Next week, I'm going to have a discussion with Neil Fletcher, and he's going to talk about his new purchase of a boat and his plans for sailing this summer. Thanks for listening. Get out there and go sailing. Joe, you have something to tell me? No, I don't think so. I just got off the telephone with Bill Rutherford. Princeton can use a guy like Joe. What? Princeton can use a guy like Joe. His exact words. That's unbelievable. You're as good as in. I knew you could do it. Haven't I been telling you every once in a while, you just got to say, what the heck, and take some chances. You are so right. You've made me very proud. I was just thinking where we might be 10 years from now, you know? The introduction and exit quotes for this podcast were from the movie Risky Business, released in 1983 and written by Paul Brickman. The dialogue, which was used in order, were played by Curtis Armstrong, who in the movie played the character Miles Dalby, Nicholas Pryor, who in the movie played Joel's father, Mr. Goodson, and Tom Cruise, who was the main character who played the character of Joel Goodson.